Welcome back to the Clemson Tiger Wire Podcast. My name is John. I'm your host, as always, and we are so appreciative for you jumping out and joining us for episode 14 of the Tiger Wire Podcast. Hey, we are sorry about our absence. It's been a little bit since we posted a couple weeks. Uh, we had a big project going on in the student ministry that we lead, So, uh, uh, but we are back after a couple weeks of absence, and just because we weren't recording anything doesn't mean we weren't keeping up with the Tigers keeping up with what's going on with our Clemson Tigers basketball team. So we're back. We're going to get it started this week. Uh, and we're going to talk. This episode's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about the last four games that we've played. Um, we're going to go through uh, the midseason, think about where, how, what our feelings are on our Clemson Tigers at this point, uh, what we think about our team and what we think about where we're at right now in the season for the Clemson Tigers. We're also going to give out some midseason awards. We've got four different awards that we're going to give out to different players players uh they will never probably never know that they got these awards but we're going to give it out to them anyway because why not it'd be fun right uh so hopefully you enjoy that before we jump in make sure you join us over on twitter at the tiger wire join us on instagram on tiktok youtube uh all those places make sure you go and subscribe follow us join us over on there we have different content on each of those platforms uh we would love to see you Join over there, and if you want to, tweet us over there on X on Twitter. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your opinions on what we talk about. Maybe should you think these awards should have gone somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to see you connected over on there. So, with all that being started, let's jump in. If you listened to our last uh, our last episode before our break, before our little two-week hiatus, uh, we talked about our uh, the last couple losses, right? So, before the break, we lost three straight. We lost to Miami, we lost to Virginia, North Carolina, and we lost to Virginia Tech. Um, a couple of those were winnable. Miami, we just played like booty. We did not play well at all. North Carolina, we should have won that game until we fell apart the last couple minutes. And Virginia Tech, man, that, that one hurt, right? Another 15-point loss, that one hurt. Uh, just didn't play well. Had guys go off on us, and again, like North Carolina, couldn't shoot. But so we talked about those games, and we walked through. If you didn't catch that, go listen to that episode. We broke down those that last episode. We broke down the last couple games. Um, we ended that episode with saying that the next three games after that, so three of the last four that we've had, uh, the games against at, home versus Boston College, home versus Georgia Tech, and then at Florida State, those three games were must wins, right? Those three games – after a rough start to the ACC, after starting 0-3, not counting the pit game earlier on in the season, but after starting 0-3 in our ACC schedule, we had to win those next three games. And we didn't just have to win. We had to win confidently. We had to win dominantly. And so now we're going to walk through, and if you've already seen the Tigers play, if you've seen uh, what they've done, you know how it is, but we're going to go through breakdown. So the first game we had was Saturday, uh, January 13th, so a little bit ago. Uh, we played Boston College, and that game, honestly, was exactly what we needed. That was the kind of win that we needed. We won the first half by nine, won the second half by two. Should have been more, but, you know, things just fall apart as they get into it. But uh, overall, great win, right? Overall, a great win for the team. Had a lot of good stats. Um, we shot the ball well, 54%. We Only 35 from the three, seven for 20, but much better than that Carolina game. Uh, we won the 
free throw percentage. We won the rebounds. We, we lost assists by one. Uh, we won the blocks. We barely lost the turnovers. We won points in paint. We won the fouls. We had the biggest lead. You know, we won that game start to finish. You look across, we won confidently. Um, and we had some pretty big player performances as well, right? Uh, for Boston College, they had – five different players or four different starters in double digits. Their leading scorer was Zachary or Zachary. Uh, but Clemson, gosh, PJ Hall and Joe Girard, they did something that we have not seen them do before then. And then even now we haven't where both of them went off, right? They combined for 52 points, 26 apiece. Uh, PJ Hall paired that. He shot six for six from the three from the foul line, 11 rebounds, two blocks, only had one turnover and didn't foul. P.J. Hall didn't foul. What? That's crazy, right? Like, that doesn't happen. But P.J. had a great game. Joe Girard had a good one, shot five from 11, for 11 from the three. He had six rebounds. Our short little guard had six rebounds. Love to see that. Had an assist, a block, a steal, a turnover, a foul. He had he had a, one stat in every category other than an offensive rebound, which he almost had a couple. But Joe Girard had a great game. Uh, it also paired it with other people having good games. Uh, our other three starters, Chauncey Wiggins, Ian Shefflin, Chase Hunter, all had seven points each off the bench. R.J. Godfrey came up with an 11-piece off the bench. Love to see that. Boss Lytle didn't score but had two good minutes. Dylan Hunter played a lot, three minutes. Josh Beadle played a lot, had two minutes. So, uh, overall, really good game. Felt really good walking out of Boston College with that performance. And then the Nets came after that. So, remember, had to win all three. Really had to win all three to feel really good about Clemson Tigers. To feel really good about where we're at right now, had to win all three of these games. And then we played Georgia Tech. I remember we were at that game. It was a late game, super late game. And what's crazy about this game is Clemson led at every, you know, there's TV timeouts every four minutes in college basketball. They're at every single TV timeout. Clemson was ahead. And then Georgia Tech in the last couple of minutes came back, tied it up. Went into overtime. We should have beat him in overtime, but we didn't. And then went into a double overtime, and we lost by three. We lost at home to Georgia Tech, which if you're looking at it, that's a rough loss. But then again, they beat Duke. Uh, but no, that's a rough loss, right? I mean, we just did not play well. We, we, we should have won that game. That's one of those games that we were leading the whole game, but we allowed them to stick into it. We were leading the entire time, but we allowed them to stick around, to stick around, to stick around, and it led to us losing the game in double overtime. Uh, you looking at stats, Georgia Tech shot a lot better from the fields. They shot 50%. We shot 41. Three-point, we had another game. This is why we lost this game. The three-point percentage is why we lost. They had another Carolina game. We went three for 21. We had 14% from the three compared to their 15 for 35, 42%. They made 12 more threes than we did. We made one-fifth of the amount of threes that they made. That's ridiculous. What are we doing? We're, we can shoot the ball, but not according to this. But we paired that with, listen to this garbage. I don't know how we lost this game. When we shot 20, 38 foul throw, free throws, we had 38 free throw attempts, and we only made 29. We shot 76%. They made 16 to 20. Uh, rebounds, we won by 12. Assist tied, steals tied, blocks tied. Turnovers, we won by two. Points in the paint, we almost doubled their points in the paint, probably because they made all theirs from the three-point line. Uh, fouls, 22 to 15. God, well, I don't know what we did. Our largest lead was nine. Their largest lead was three, and that was the lead that they won with. It was That game was one that we just were outcoached in the end. 
uh, did not play well when it came down the stretch. And it was honestly really disappointing, really, really disappointing for our fifth loss of the season to go home, try to get that momentum come back, try to get that hot start brought back. And we lost by three points to Georgia Tech. Um, that was a rough game. And then that leads us to our third game in that stretch. Got to win all three. We start off one to one. And then we went and played Florida State. And that game was much better. Much better game against Florida State, especially the second half. First half, we ended up 30-30 to 30 tied. Second half, though, we came alive, had some good performances. Uh, no no, really one-star standout in this game for us. Uh, we had P.J. Hall with 13, Chase Hunter 14, Joe Girard 10, and then Josh Beadle with 12 off the bench. Um, overall spread out, Ian Shefflin fouled out that game. Uh, rare foul feature that game. Uh, but he also only had six boards, a little low on the boards that night. P.J. Hall had six. Um, our leading rebounder, funny enough, was tied. Uh, it was uh, Joe Girard, and then it was Jack Clark. Um, Joe's tied. Speaking of Jack Clark, it's been good to have him back, right? Feel really good about how he's been. Feel really good about where he's at right now. Um, I'm excited to see as he continues to build those minutes. I believe that was the first game of the season that he logged over 20 minutes. So it was awesome to see that. Uh, but then they honestly, Florida State didn't have any of the star players either. Had Watkins 15, uh, Green Jr. 13, and Spears 12. Um, but overall, it was a good game. Clemson won by 11, which you love to see, especially after that loss uh, to Georgia Tech to go into Florida State and win. Uh, we shot the ball well this game, both on the three throw and foul go, or three point and foul line. We shot 51% uh, from the field, 41% from the three. They shot 22. Uh, we free throws, we shot 84%. Rebounds, we won by 17. Assists, we won by 10. Steals, we won by one. Blocks, they had more. But turnovers, we we lost the turnover battle. Uh, but we still won. Overall, it was a good game. We won by 11. It was a game we should have won, and we did win. Um, so take a break here. We said that we needed to win those next three games to be, feel confident about our season, right? We said we went into this game. And remember, Clemson had not played the hottest. We started off really hot, right? Started off winning nine in a row, uh, lost to Memphis, won the Nets two. So we went into ACC play 11-1, and one, and then we dropped three games, two of which we should have won. Honestly, all three we should have won uh, against uh, Miami, Carolina, Virginia Tech. So we needed to win those next three games against Boston College, Georgia Tech, Florida State. We walk out two and one, which isn't bad, but when you look at it, our first six games of the ACC schedule were two and four. Terrible. And so we're, we're, that's where we were heading into Saturday's game. And Saturday's game was a rare one where we were going to Cameron Indoor, and I felt good about the game. So Saturday's game, we went and played Duke, and we have not won there in over 20 years. We have not won at Duke in over 20 years, and I'm tired of it, right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm tired of this. And so honestly, going into this game, I felt really good about it. Uh, I was watching the games with a couple Duke fans, which never helps. But uh, no, you remember Michael, Michael from the podcast. He, we were watching it together with a couple friends. Uh, and I honestly, going into this game, I felt good. I felt like there was a chance Clemson was going to upset them, kind of get that star back. It almost felt like the Alabama game all over again. If you remember, we went into Alabama. Alabama was the favorite, and we walked out winning by eight points, uh, ending their 19-game win streak at home. It was, it was a game that we were underrated. We walked away, and we should have won it. Or we did win it. We won it comfortably. And that's how this Duke game felt. And so looking at the Duke game, it was a tough game. Um, you will not hear me say what I'm about to say a lot. Uh, we haven't said it this season. We lost this game based on poor officiating. Uh, we Our performance could have done better, and we'll get to that in a second. Our performance could have made it where the officials couldn't cost the game. But gosh, 
these officials were rough. Um, Clemson lost by one point. We lost on a foul that was called with one second remaining on the clock where they made both free throws to win by one point. That's how we lost the game. If you're a ref, you cannot, not, not decide the game in any sport. Umpire baseball, ref or line judge in bat football. It reminds me of the Chiefs game when uh, he was lined up offsides and then they score, had the lateral, and he scored on a touchdown and it was called bat because he was offsides. You can't call that. That's the right call, but you can't make a call to decide the game with that much time, especially a call that wasn't a foul. You go, go back and look at it. Uh, we would love for you to watch that, but. Gosh, Josh Beadle did not foul him, but they called for a foul. It might have been Dylan Hunter, uh, but we lost by one. But that wasn't the only foul that was rough. That call was not the only call that was rough. I'm, one, the first one that sticks out was our uh, technical foul by Jack Clark. Uh, so Duke player scored a layup uh, with a different Clemson D or uh, – Excuse me. Josh Beadle scored a layup. I believe it was Josh Beadle. Jack Clark caught the ball and uh, gave it to – he caught it on instinct. He landed, got the ball, and just passed it to the guy, like handed the ball over to the Duke player, only because he was right in front of him. It wasn't malicious. He wasn't shoving it. He didn't say anything. He handed it, turned around, and walked up the court. Nothing was braggy. Nothing was boasty. Nothing was negative at all. But, yep, teed him up, threw the technical out, uh, gave – in a very tight, close game, uh, gave Clint Duke two shots in the ball. Terrible call. Terrible, terrible call. And then we get to the second half, and all over, Duke has been – all over, it's been back and forth, right? I think Clemson finally took the lead uh, with like six minutes left. I believe that's right. Uh, yeah, Clemson took the lead with five and a half minutes left. We took it by two. Um, P.J. Hay made a layup to go up by two. But overall, it was a good game. Late in the game, we should have won it. Here's the part where the we should have played better, where the officiating didn't matter. So here, I'm going to say the officials cost us the game, but I'm also going to say our performance made it available for the officials to call that game. We put us ourselves in a spot where the officials could call that game. Late on in the game, uh, Josh Beadle made some free throws. That we scored. It was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then they had... Two, three, we had two chances where they missed the three-point shot, they got an offensive rebound, and then we they missed another three-point shot that were both wide open that should have been made it. Uh, went back and forth, back and forth, and we had a chance to seal it. We had a chance to seal the game where we get the victory. And instead of doing so, we forced turnover, we were forced to turn the ball over three straight possessions. Three straight possessions, we turned the ball over, and two of which there was it wasn't defense cause fall at all. It was just poor, dumb plays on our side. So without those three possessions, without those three forced turnovers, we easily win that. You hit one at two of those shots instead of those turnovers, eat completely different game. We go in and we win. We walk out winning. Instead, we miss those, and we put ourselves in a spot where we have to have the right calls called. We have to play defense. So uh, – 25 seconds left. Ian Shefflin gets the ball stole from him. They run it down the court. Call timeout. 19 seconds left. Duke inbounds the ball. Filipowski makes a layup on Ian Shefflin, and Ian went straight up. There was no foul whatsoever. He went straight up, straight down. They called a foul because Kyle Filipowski is a tall player, and he's a star. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but they called a foul on Ian Shefflin, which was not a foul. He made a free throw, uh, got the and one he, to, for Duke to go up by one point. Clemson here calls our second to last timeout, which I'm like, all right, you want to drop a play. We got 12 seconds left. Uh, you want to make sure with down by one, you want to have a good play. 
all on board with. So we get the ball, we go in, and they call foul on Kyle Filipowski that puts P.J. Hall to the line with seven seconds left. P.J., ice in his vein, hits both of them, and we or hits both of them, and then we call a timeout here. I don't like that. I don't like the fact that we scored with seven seconds left or up by one, and Brad decides to call a timeout so Duke can drop a play. I don't agree with that call. Have your defense. Your guys know how to play defense. Trust in to play the defense and let Duke have to go without running a play, right? they did, Don't give Duke a chance to run a set offense with seven seconds left. They have way too many good players that can make plays. Allow your guys just to have be in that moment and play defense. But instead, Brad Brownell calls a timeout um, and then runs up the court. Tyrese Proctor gets the ball and shoots a – almost like a floater layup from right inside the foul line. And Josh Beadle is playing great defense on him. It's a jump call. It's an up-and-up call. And they call a foul on Josh Beadle with one second left. Tyree Sprotter shows his clutch factor as he should. He's a five-star player, hits both of his free throws, and Duke wins by one point. You cannot not call that foul. I want you to go and I want you to watch the video clip. I want you to see the video clip and just watch how how this wasn't a foul. Watch how it was close defense. He didn't reach in. You can't call this a foul with it. You can't. You can't at all. So anyway, Duke ended up winning the game by one point. Brad Burnell was asked about it in the post-game conference. Here's another video for you to go watch. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't there. We were on this trip, but Duke, gosh, Brad Brownell usually in press conferences, he's very respectful. That's one reason that I like him so much. He's very respectful. Win or loss, he lets people finish their questions. He gives a chance. He stays in the room until everyone's done with questions. Uh, the Duke game was very different. The Duke game, he's being asked questions, and he's he's cutting people off. Like there was one time a, qu- a reporter was asking a question about his thoughts, and he interrupted me. He's like, what do you think my thoughts are? We just lost the game. They asked him, how does it feel about not winning in the Duke ever? And he said, "We look. I've been in here four different times now. We lost by two points, three points, two points, and now we lost by one, and we had the game stolen from us. He was Brad Burnell was heated after this game. Go watch that. He ends the night by saying, we should have won this game. We had it in our bag. Thank you, and good night. And he walked out in the middle of answering questions. He just – Brad was heated for a reason, and he was right. He made some points. He had some comments that was completely right. We lost this game because we couldn't hold on to the ball, but – we should have won that game how it was. Even with the turnovers, we should have won that game. But a ref that we have had history with, Brad talks about it. There was a ref in this game that called that foul that we've had history with for many years, and he always seems to lean the other way. Always. It just it was a rough situation. Um, I'm surprised it's not being looked into. It, it, it was rough. It was it, That was rough. Uh, honestly, watching the game live, I didn't realize uh, how bad uh, the officiating was towards the end. But going back and looking at it either way, it was rough, but I don't want to be that guy that always blames the refs. I also want to say, like I said, Clemson had chances. We had chances to score. We had chances to hold the ball. We had chances to work the clock. We had chances to not call a timeout to give them a play that they can sit and run. We had every chance to win that game. Um, we lost it. Officiating helped us lose it, uh, but it was disappointing. But Brad Brunell, I want to talk about something that Brad Brunell mentioned that I think is very true, um, specifically about this Duke-Clemson game, but also just uh, Clemson basketball as a whole. Uh, I think the more I watch this game, the more I'm watching ACC basketball and honestly basketball as a whole, you see the players with uh, you see the players with the most talent. You see the really good players in 
the ACC and in the league and you see these players being really good and you know the star players, right? There's always star players uh, throughout the season. There's always star players throughout the different the conference that have teams have their different star players. And uh, that's how it is. And most of the time, the star players for the teams get a little bit different treatment, right? The star players for whoever the, whoever the uh, teams are, the star players for the specific teams, they get a little bit special treatment. They get the calls called up for them more. Uh, they get different fouls called them. They don't get fouls called as much on them. You, you see that over and over and over again. Phil, Kyle Filipowski from uh, Duke. He gets people, they call fouls against him a lot more. RJ Davis, not so much, but Armando Baycott, uh, Judah Mintz from Syracuse, um, Norchard Omir, goodness, he gets fouls called on the other players guarding him. Blake Henson, you go through and you look at the top players in the ACC for each team. Players are calling, players are getting those calls more. When people go up against Filipowski, they're going to get the foul called him more. PJ Hall is the second leading scorer in the ACC right now. He's really good chance to win an ACC player of the year. Uh, he's also up there in rebounds. Um, I believe he's 10th in rebounds in the conference. Um, I think he's second in the ACC in blocks. Uh, yeah, he's or he's third in, block, third in blocks, Kyle with, tied with Kyle Filipowski for blocks in the ACC. Um, he's, he's playing great. He's a star player. He's going to be great. You look at the games that have been played this year, especially that Duke game, but also other games. He doesn't get that star treatment. He doesn't. He he. When he goes up, he's fat. He gets he's fouled out how many times? He's fouled out a good amount of times every game. Almost it feels like he's in foul trouble. And now, am I saying that it's all the rest's fault? That's not his fault. No, he should play more disciplined. But gosh, PJ Hall, he isn't getting the star treatment that other players in this league are. He doesn't get the star treatment that players in this league, that players that are known for different things with Duke, with Carolina, with Syracuse, with all over the ACC. P.J. Hall is not treated as one of the ACC's best players, and that's fine. If you're going to treat player star players normally, do that. You know, I'm all for it. Everyone getting treated equally. That's what it should be. But when you're calling players, Kyle Filipowski, when he goes to the paint and he gets a foul called on him multiple times that aren't fouls because of his size, because he's good. P.J. Hall's right up there. He's averaging more uh, stats than Kyle Filipowski is in a lot of different areas, but he's not getting that. I, I don't agree with that. I think the ACC's got to got to monitor that a little bit. Either start calling P.J. or just don't call any favorites through that through the season. I think I think if you're a Clemson fan, if you're an ACC fan, if you're a basketball fan, that should bother you that it's different, that there's different standards when it comes to different players, that different players get the star treatment just because they're stars, not because of performance. So uh, I know that's a little soapbox. We don't usually go into that kind of stuff, so I apologize for that. But I just – it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you turn on a Miami game and Omir is getting called or he goes in for a layup and barely gets scratched and they call a foul. And then P.J. Hall goes in and he's going to dunk it, but he gets dragged down and nobody calls anything or they call an offensive foul on him. Um, and then you get Kyle Filipowski will go straight up and it's not a foul anytime, but then Ian Hall or Ian Shefflin, PJ Hall will go straight up and make a block on him, not a foul at all. And he gets called for the foul. I think it's frustrating. It's something that definitely is not right. Definitely got to be changed. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. 
but with all that being said, we're going to take a quick break for some uh, ad breaks real quick. And then once we come back, we'll give out our midseason awards so far this season. Um, talk about what we need to see as we end the 2023-2024 regular season. Um, and then talk about our tourney chances. So we'll be right back. Enjoy this ad. We'll see you in a second. Welcome back. We are so glad you are here for the Tiger Wire. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We do want to jump in, and so we're going to kick it off with our midseason awards. We're about halfway through our ACC regular season schedule, and we've got four awards that we want to give out. Like we said at the beginning of this episode, the players probably are never going to see they got these awards, but we're going to give it to them anyway because it's going to be fun. And so we've got four different awards. Three are positive. One is hopeful. Uh, so we'll go through these. The first one is our future MVP our future MVP award. This award is given to a player that is that. We believe he's a future MVP for this team, uh, someone who can step up and truly make a difference for this team later on. Um, and that player is none other than Chauncey Wiggins. Chauncey Wiggins is a sophomore. He's six foot 10 to, or 210 pounds. Um, he's playing good ball this year. He isn't scoring a lot. Uh, he's averaging seven points, but when he's, I think Chauncey has not even scratched his potential. I think he's not playing like he's six foot ten. He's not playing like the stretch he has. He has almost like the Kevin Durant physique, where he looks taller than he is and he looks massive. Um, I think Chauncey Wiggins is easily our future MVP. He has a chance to make a huge impact on this team. He's only a sophomore. If we keep him through the transfer portal, we don't lose him. I think he's going to win big. I still stick with my prediction. I think he's a potential ACC Player of the Year. Uh, when you look at his jump from freshman to sophomore uh, with PJ Hall and compare those. Very similar. I think PJ went 3, 9, 14, and now 19. Uh, Chauncey Wiggins is 2, 7. So big jump there. Um, this year he's averaging. He's got over double the minutes he had last year, but he's shooting 36% from the three, 46% from the field, uh, two rebounds, almost an assist, uh, one foul, one turnover game, averaging seven points a game. I think Chauncey Wiggins is playing at a level where he's putting in good minutes now, but he is our future MVP um, for the Clemson Tigers. And so now this year, our Nets award is not the positive one. It's called a not-so-shining star, our not-so-shining star award. That's a word for we have star players. Every team has star players almost. Not every team, but every good team has star players. I believe we have two, P.J. Hall, Joe Girard. But I believe we have a player who is a star, but they're not shining. And what that award is Joe Girard. Um, I know when I say that, it's like, what? Um, honestly, when you look at Joe's – stats they're not terrible last year he was one of the top five scorers in the acc and he averaged 16 points a game this year he's only averaging 14.8 compared to 16.4 so he's only a point and a half a game less than last year but it's drastically different it's drastically because he was brought in to be that guy and it's not that he's not scoring a lot it's that he's inconsistent his last five games are consistently not strong it's he had 12 against Virginia Tech. Then he went off against Boston College 26, but then 11, 10, and 13. We brought P.J. Hall, or we got Joe Girard in to be a star right alongside P.J. Hall, and he's just not up to it yet. He is doing great in rebounds, almost four a game, through over three assists per game, uh, only one and a half turnover. He's dropped that turnover down. This is his lowest year uh, of playing basketball that he's had turnover, his lowest turnover average all in all his career. Uh Man, I, he, I just feels like he's been underwhelming. It feels like he's been underperforming. Uh, he's been not a disappointment, but almost a letdown. So 
We gave him this award of not show signing star because we believe he's a star. We believe he has the power. We believe he has the potential to be able to jump up there and become this awesome star player that he is. Uh, we just need to see him do it. We need to see that performance change. Hopefully that can get started tomorrow night against Louisville, but we'll see how that goes. So uh, award number two is our not so shining star, Joe Girard. Our number three award is none other, our surprising award. This is our player that has been the biggest surprise to us. Uh, all, you could all, We almost called it most improved player, but it was worth more than that. It was worth more than MIP. So we gave it the surprise player. And that is, you guessed it, Ian Shefflin. Man, what a he has been crazy this year. I just, the thing that sticks out to me is his growth from last year to this year. So from freshman year to last year, he played eight minutes more a game his freshman year to sophomore year, but his stats didn't really move. Went from three points to five points, two rebounds to four rebounds. This year, last year he played 19.9 minutes a game. This year he's playing 25.7 minutes a game. And listen to these changes. From 2022, he was averaging 4.1 rebounds a game. This year, 9.7. Last year, 1.9 assists. This year, 2.3. 0.3 blocks last year, 0.6 this year, same exactly in steals. Uh, and then points, he's went from five and a half to nine and point six. He's almost he's over doubled his rebounds per game in six more minutes, and he's almost doubled his points per game in six more minutes. Ian Shefflin has become a whole new level this year. He's an undersized guard or a forward. He's only six foot eight and he plays the four spot, but gosh, he is so good. He's been such a good surprise for us. He's tied for 23rd in all the country in Division One basketball on rebounds. Um, he's up there in ACC and rebounds per game. He's second with 9.7, only behind Armando Baycott. Uh, he's shooting the ball decently in three-point percentage. He actually has the highest three-point percentage in all the ACC, uh, taking a minimum amount of shots. He's shooting 55% right now. No other player in the ACC is shooting higher than that, 55%. He doesn't shoot a lot, but when he shoots it, Real good chance at going in. Um, he's shooting 60% from the free field goal. Uh, free throw percentage, he can get a little, a little bit. He's shooting 75%. But overall, he's playing great. Ian Shefflin is definitely gets the surprise award. Uh, honestly, we're losing P.J. Hall next year, and I feel a little bit better about it because I know Ian Shefflin will still be around. So excited to see that. And then our last award, this is the most obvious one, the one that is no surprise at all. It is our MVP award, and it's got to go to P.J. Hall. Got to go to P.J. Hall. P.J. Hall is having an absolute year. Uh, last year, again, he, he played decent last year. He was playing 24 minutes per game, uh, 15 points a game. But this year, he's bumped that up. He's our number one player, 28 points a game. He knew going into this season, we need you to carry this team. Going into this season, he knew – this year, you have got to carry us. We need you to be our best player. We need you to come along and go off. We need you to do that. And he is, honestly, he's performed well. He's gone through. And this year, he's averaging almost 20 points a game, 19.6. He's got over a steal, almost two blocks, over uh, almost a one and a half assist, seven rebounds per game, shooting over 50%. He is playing so well this year. Uh, the only area that I wish he could get a little bit better in is fouls. He's averaging five, three fouls a game, um, and honestly, uh, he's fouled out a couple games this year. So I wish his fouls, he could be a little bit more disciplined, but he's playing so well this year so far. We're not in the spot we wish we were, but we're better than we would be without P.J. Hall. So he is our midseason MVP, and that's going to do it for our midseason awards. Uh, that's it. So future MVP, Chauncey Wiggins, not-so-shining star, Joe Girard, surprise player, Ian Shefflin, and MVP, P.J. 
Hall, MVP, JP, J Hall. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. But anyway, those are our awards. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it for that. Our last thing we want to talk about this episode is where we're at right now and where we want to be. We're not going to talk, talk about this long. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks, we will have our, we'll bring back Anthony and Michael, and we'll be doing our midseason kind of wrap up, uh, see, compare our rankings, go through each of our teams and all the teams in the ACC, talk about where they are. So we'll save some of this for that episode. Uh, but just real quick, we want to talk about Clemson. Going into this season, we projected Clemson to win our first ACC sketch or our first ACC uh, conference win, our regular season champions. That's not going to happen. It's it's not uh, standings right now. I think we're in tenth right now. Uh, we're thirteen and six overall. Five of those losses are in the ACC. I believe we're three and five in the ACC right now. Um, it's been rough, right? It's been a little disappointing, um, especially our last. Uh, seven games. Yeah, we're two and five in our last seven games. Two and five in ACC plus three and five with that win against Pittsburgh earlier. Guys, we're we're at a spot right now where we've got to switch it up. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We have twelve games left in the regular season. Um, all against ACC players. I think honestly, for us to make the tournament, we've got to win eight of those twelve. Going into ACC, we were almost a lock at like a four or five seed, potentially higher than that. And then now with ACC play, with winning or losing two of our last five or two of our last se- five of our last seven with starting off terribly in the ACC, our last 12 games, we have got to win. My guess is I say if we win eight, we're in. If we win seven, we're on the bubble. If we win six, we're out for sure. That's my prediction. Um, the games that we play, we've got eight that we should win. We play at home against Louisville, we should win. Home against Virginia, we should win. Uh, Away against North Carolina, toss-up. At Syracuse, we should win. Home against Miami, we'll count as a toss-up. Home home against NC State, uh, they're playing good ball, but I think we should win that. At Georgia Tech, we should win that. We should get back for beating us here. Home against Florida State, we should win. Pittsburgh, we should win. At Notre Dame, we should win. Against Syracuse, we should win. At Wake Forest, that's going to be a tough one in this season. Um, But right there, We've got seven easily must-wins, two two tough games, and then two toss-ups. So we've got to win that, right? Through those, I think we definitely have to win those games. Uh, We're excited about it. We'll see what happens. Um, I think we've got to win eight out of 12 for us to make the tournament. But I think we can do it. I think we're still a tournament team. It's not that I think we're any less less good than I thought we were at the beginning of the season. I just think for some reason we're not clicking. We're we're not – completing there's been very few complete games for Clemson since the ACC tournament season has started and I really hope that as we continue through this season that changes and that can be better for us so uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for joining for us. Uh, coming soon, we will break down the Louisville game that they play on Tuesday at 9 p.m. in Little John. We'll be there for that. Again, we'll have Anthony and Michael back to walk through our ACC midseason report. We'll go through all the teams, all our projections, uh, see where our preseason, pre-ACC season uh, re- preview was on our predictions and rankings for those teams, see how we're doing as we're lined up to that. Um, and we'll just go through that. That'll be a fun episode. Make sure you're on the lookout for that. Uh, but until then, again, stay connected on Twitter, on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. Leave a review. Leave five stars wherever you're listening or watching this on. Uh, it's That would go a long way to help the podcast if you like it. Um, and we hope to see you soon. We are so glad. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, we hope to see you soon on the Tiger Wire. Until then, keep that Tiger pride alive and roaring. And as always, go Tigers.